That's you and Ladinho. <laughs> wow. Our son. G'day, mates. Well, Alistair, he's back in the country, but I think the customs need to intervene. Get him out. Get him out of here because, look, the Matildas, they were doing so well on a World Cup run and just coincidentally, the day Alistair comes back into the country, oh, all of a sudden, we're losing to England. We're out of the World Cup. This is your fault, Alistair. This is all your fault, Jafar. My fault. You've come back into the country. The Matildas have lost. I've gone from having four goalkeepers to having possibly none in the space of a week. It's all falling apart. Miami's on a conspiracy run, but you're back. So welcome, but I don't know how I feel about it. I pure, straight, hate you. But God damn it, do I respect you. Well, thanks. <laughs> now I feel horrible about having uh, come back to my home. Uh, no, it's good to be back. I'm, I've been uh, I've been missing the pod. I've been missing the kind of like regular catch-ups and kind of regular interaction with people online. Uh, I think Ladinho said it very well. He went on holiday last week for like, I think it was only maybe a week at most. And he was like, you feel like you just miss so much in that one week. Like you feel like everything is happening and everything is moving without you. So it's good to be back, you know, manically scrolling Twitter every day and, you know, you know, ruining my social relationships with those around me. So mid morning dance party. She's dancing even better than normal. So Simon, let's talk about your, you've had a tough morning. A very tough morning. I have. I have. Uh, obviously, it's been well documented. My troubles with goalkeepers in the past, and for the first time in my life, I felt safe. I felt secure. And, of course, that was my downfall. As soon as the Serea gods, you know, when they see a sinner like me and they and the sinner's thinking, look at me, look at me, I'm safe, I'm happy, I'm feeling good, I've got lineups to roll out in the weeks to come, they will strike you down and strike you down hard. And they've done just that. Uh, Kojikeru, uh, the Leuven goalkeeper, I mean, locked in number one. There really wasn't much competition, you thought. I think he had no errors led to goal last season. Uh, very efficient. So what have they done? They've gone and bought two starting goalkeepers that are now going to battle it out for position. And he's gone from locked in starter to third string keeper in the space of like three days. And it's gone. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. And obviously the other big controversy that's kind of sweeping the uh, So Rare world at the moment is the Panico panic sessions. Um, Joe Willis was meant to have just been sitting out for a personal reason. Um, everyone fully expected him to be back in the starting lineup for a you know must-win semi-final. But no, Elliot Panico steps in again and I think he's just made like a million saves and kept two clean sheets in a row and all of a sudden... Buttery Joe looking looking like he might be uh, bench warmer Joe pretty soon. Yeah, and it brings me back to last season. I remember Panico got that one random start when Joe Willis was going through that rough period where he had two or three error led to goal in a row and where everyone was panicking. Joe's price plummeted and we stood firm and, and we stood still and he came back and he became the Buttery Joe that we loved. But this time that bloody goalie with the headgear I'm starting to panic a little bit, Alster, because like you said, he's brought on as the penalty shoot shootout specialist. I'm okay with that. Look, do your thing, brother. Whatever floats your boat. But all of a sudden, two starts in a row, he's crushing it. Um, and yeah, with 
you know, uh, Marchison's still coming back from an injury. Um, Luther, who I had, has got a two-game suspension. I've literally gone from having four goalkeepers to potentially none. I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left. In the space of a week. And, I mean, it's just my constant battle with goalkeepers continues. Yeah, yeah. Moral of the story is don't ever try and don't ever feel safe in Sarare because you're never, you're never truly safe. Everything can change and everything will change, especially, you know, the more confident you are, the more the mightier the fall. Now, in the past couple of weeks, uh, I know you'd sort of mentioned you wouldn't be surprised if I fell behind uh, on Sarare with all these new updates. I took that personally, you know, I took it as a challenge. The past two weeks, I've been delving deeper. I've been watching more football games than you can count on both your hands, uh, living and breathing it, scrolling Twitter for days, uh, barely missed a match. And I must say, I've been watching a lot of Inner Miami, and you've come back into the country just in time to see them win the League's Cup. But tell me, Alistair, is it all a conspiracy? Did, you know, could Andre Blake really have got to that shot from outside the box? Come on. My 90-year-old granddad could have gotten to that shot from Lionel Messi. <laughs> like, I know it was, you know, well-placed into the corner, but it was like 40 metres out along the ground... If Andre Blake's not stopping that, I, I mean, you've got to ask some serious questions. I feel like they've all signed an NDA, you know, sign, signing the fact that they're going to avoid Lionel Messi and they're not going to go anywhere within a 15-metre radius of him. They're going to win the MLS Cup. They're going to then get, win the Champions League, and it's all because of Lionel Messi and, you know, corruption. Well, just because you're corrupt and so is the world. Just watching your Glesness just like backing away as Messi runs through the midfield. And I think Inter Miami wouldn't have the run that they're having if they'd face more Mexican opponents because the Mexican players did not give a shit. Those guys were like going studs up, chopping at the ankles. You know, these MLS guys, I think coincidentally, they're just letting him run through the midfield. I reckon if, if they faced a few more Mexican sides, Messi probably have two broken femurs by now. But uh, look, no, it's been good. I, honestly, I've actually really enjoyed watching so much football. I think it's come at a perfect time. Premier League's back. Um, our Wolfsburg boys are back next week, which we'll touch on later, uh, of course. And then just sort of trying to work out how to find illegal streams to watch random Jupiler League games at 1am <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, it's quite tough in Australia, isn't it? We don't really have any ready access to any football other than the Premier League, so... Yeah, it's anyone's got any uh, great illegal links, comment below, please. <laughs> and it's been awesome to see as well. I mean, football has taken over the country in the past probably two and a half weeks. Um, you've missed all of it, really. Um, but it's been fantastic. Like, people are getting behind the Matildas. Just knocked out by England last night. I went to the official watch party in Melbourne, which was awesome. Uh, I mean, I must say, though, it was kind of weird, like, going to a stadium where there's there's probably like 15,000 people. So the atmosphere was nuts, but it was so weird just like everyone cramming in to watch it on a screen. Like we're all kind of waiting for the players to run out into the pitch, but it just <laughs> never came. So you're saying there was more people at a videotaping of a woman's game than at pretty much any A-League game. <laughs> yeah, I'd say During probably the all the A-League games. Season. Yeah, all the A-League games in one round combined wasn't cracking what we had last night to watch it on a big screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I must say, like like you said, I've been I've been overseas. I've been missing the uh, the hype. Um, I did go to the pub last night and watch the game, and like the entire pub was packed. Everyone's screaming. Everyone like 
lost their shit when uh, Sam Kerr scored that that wonder goal. Uh, obviously, a bit deflating that we ended up losing three one. But yeah, it's been pretty awesome to see like the the way that you know the women's team just their success has really you know switched people on, especially to w- women's soccer. Like it is great, and I'm I was saying last night, it's going to be crazy just how many like girls and young boys start playing soccer as a result of that, you know, and it's that, it's just that thing of when a team does well, it just makes such a massive difference to, you know, the, the kind of fate of that sport in the country. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all good stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. And no one was talking about, Oh, it's just women's sport. Like no one cared about that at all. And, mm. you know, seeing these young girls at the stadium last night, they've got, you know, their Sam Kerr Jersey and they've got the scarf and they're absolutely loving it. Like it's pretty awesome to see. And we sort of had something similar with the Socceroos in the, in the men's world cup a couple of months ago. But then of course the A-League as they do decided to shift the grand finals to Sydney, infuriate half the league. And instead we had buckets being thrown and flares thrown at, thrown at goalkeepers. So, you know, as long as the women's A-League doesn't do that, they're already one step ahead of where the men's are at in Australia anyway. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. Look, I mean, if Sarah don't onboard the A-League, you know, if, if they can at least on, onboard the W League, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah, next best thing. I mean, all right, everyone, now it's time for some poetry, so shut up and listen. <clears throat> Nicholas, you must see our vision. Forgetting the A League is simply our mission. Getting soccer down under is what we ask. Can you please make this your number one task? For I am a Surrey down under boy. Is it too much to give me some joy? Everyone loves the Socceroos, just like the Germans love Tony Cruz. We'll take the A-League to the moon, just you wait. Because at Serenan Under, we do believe in fate. It's time to give the people what they desire, to watch an informed Jamie McLaren on fire. Give us the A-League, Nicholas, we beg you, on behalf of the entire A-League crew. tried to get Danny Vukovic in there but it's a really hard uh, name to rhyme so and for you Elster you've been away enjoying a holiday which I guess has kind of been masking some problems in the old gallery obviously you went a blue boy you um, consolidated and that's probably caused a few issues while you've been away things haven't been going great I guess you could say the least yeah, I mean, it was working out so well for me for a while there. I was hitting my threshold pretty consistently, um, you know, picking up the odd reward. And, you know, I've, I've been very clear in the fact that I know I'm not going to win, you know, high-end super airs every week. Um, a, because the prize pools just, you know, aren't that amazing in in the, in the super air divisions. Um, but I was happy if I can pick up, you know, some tier threes, tier fours, you know, relatively regularly. I'm pretty happy with that because I feel like, my strategy was like, if I can get some mid-level super rares, you know, I can then trade them for some pretty decent rares and, you know, I can kind of work my way down. Um, but of course, all of that strategy goes out the window if you don't win anything. Um, and yeah, I think there's been a fair degree of bad luck um, in a lot of my galleries. Like I've had a few weeks where I've just, you know, been one score off 
you know, doing really well or a player's just randomly rested or randomly pulls up injured in the warm-up. So I've had pretty bad luck there. Having the full European competitions back will certainly make a lot of difference for my gallery because I've now got somewhat of, you know, I've got some kind of depth there. Um, yeah, bright times ahead. I, I think I do believe in the players that I've got and I do feel like it's just a matter of getting them in the right team and, you know, hopefully once my luck starts to turn around, I can uh, pick up some form. Now, you mentioned during the week you were on a, a unique hunt. Now, mm. talk us through that logic. Why Why the need? Uh, are they black? Are they still black, the unique cards? Yeah, they're black. Black and charcoal. Purple. Why the charcoal boys? The charcoal boys. This is out to all the black boys growing up, yeah? Uh, I mean, I'm not moving into the charcoal boys, but... As you know, you can put one unique into a, into a super rare team. Um, and I'm just thinking, like, I've seen a lot of the people who have been winning all-star super rare lately usually do have a unique in there. And I don't think you need to necessarily, like, go out and buy a 10 ETH unique in order to do that. I think there are some bargains to be had, especially on the auctions. Um, and I guess my strategy is to kind of keep an eye out for those players that, you know, I do a lot of scouting and I kind of have my finger on the pulse across a lot of leagues. And I do feel like, you know, we do a segment every week, you know, where I pick out some undervalued players and most of the time I'm pretty bang on. So I hope it doesn't sound arrogant when I say that I am the greatest man in the world. I feel like if I can apply some of that logic to buying myself a unique, it's just that like if I have a unique in that lineup and it bangs or it just scores a goal or gets an assist or, you know, some kind of just has a good week that can make such a massive difference to my overall score. Um, that 50% bonus that you get from that unique. I don't know. I feel like with just five super rares, I'm relying on all five of them to bang. Um, but if I can combine like, you know, my Julian Dessart, Nicholas Otamendi kind of steady, you know, I've got a uh, Min son now up front. So I think if I can combine them with a unique that occasionally pops off, it just, it's just kind of, I, it just makes things a little bit easier for me, I think. Cut a long story short. Yeah. And while I've been watching a lot of football, I've also been absorbing a lot more Sarea content. I've been listening to Quinny's podcast, uh, back into the Sarea data shows. And that was sort of something that they touched on. The last one was playing more efficiently and, and not, buying guys that are super hot in form. And I guess that kind of ties in with your hunt at the moment, especially in uniques. I think more than ever, that is somewhere where you do have to try and find some value because any of those top line guys are just going to be completely unattainable. Um, but before we go into that, before we go into our main topic, I thought I'd try something new. New segment alert. Uh, I discovered an app during the week. And I thought it might be a little bit of fun. Um, okay. So if you... Well, basically what I've discovered is that you can morph faces, which I thought would be hilarious. So what I've done oh, is God. I've combined um, some big players from around the world. I'm going to pitch them to you, Alster. Okay. And it's your job to try and guess them. Um, sure. Good luck. Some of them are very scary and I'm pretty keen to get them off my camera roll, but I'll send you through the first one now. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's have a look. <laughs> okay. I think I have this. I think... That is Carlos Hill and Emmanuel Reynoso. Ta-ding. Well done. One from one. <laughs> Just quickly, like, I, don't, I, I posted something on Twitter. No one commented on it or anything, but I found a what looked like maybe a 
nine-year-old sticker on a that was half peeled off and you know f- completely faded by the sun in a random canyon in South Africa, and I immediately recognised it as the Rosario Central logo, and I was like, this could be a problem. <laughs> How do I know this? <laughs> no one gave you the like the the validation that you were chasing for in that post. I mean, I, t- I turned to my wife. I was like, no, look, Rosario Central badge there. And she just walked away. Do you feel like your wife hates you? All right, on to number two. Another little, I feel like this one's a bit of a low ball. A low ball, okay. Oh, my God, that is terrifying. Uh, I'm going to say Jordan Pickford's hair. Whose face is that? <laughs> I don't know whose face that is. You're going to have to tell me that one. All right. That one is Enzo Fernandez and Erling Haaland. Wow. That's freakish. I uh, I don't think I would have got that one ever. That's, that's, wow. All right. Two more to go. Okay. Two more to go. All right, send through. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Fafa Pico. I know that Correct. head anywhere. Oh, whose eyes think, are those? Think, think your most random MLS plotter. Hint, I once had him in my gallery. Oh. Only the most hardcore Sarai fan. Or you have to be a fan of MLS to know this guy. Okay. Um... Oh my god, this is tough. Um, <laughs> Fafa Pico, and let me look into these eyes a little bit closer here. Who are you, Jean-Luc Abusio? No, no, you're gonna have to tell me the face. It's Darlington Nagby. <laughs> <laughs> now, quick question: What happens if you were to like merge Fafa Pico and say Johnny Russell? I didn't want to try that. I didn't want to try that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Play on. Okay, right, I'm, is... I'm three from six so far. This is my favorite one. This is the, the last one. We'll finish with a bang. Keep it short and sweet. Okay. Incoming now. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Is that me and Laird? <laughs> That's you and Laird, Udio. <laughs> wow. Our son. Oh boy, he's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, there's so many fantasies that this opens up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to send you through this. So I initially tried it with Ladino and John Nellis, but this is what I got, and it was mildly terrifying. <laughs> wow, I like that. It kind of looks like Dana White. <laughs> yeah, it looks a lot like Dana White. <laughs> Wow, okay, this app is terrifying. Um, I cannot wait for next week's segment. I might have to do some for you. I don't know how you make a seamless transition from there, but I guess it's a chance now to discuss what we came on the pod to do. Um, Like you said, back into our normal recording schedule, um, Mm. a chance to sort of dive deep. And yeah, something we sort of were discussing during the week, uh, I thought the Surrey Data Show was really good. I think it's something that we're all guilty of. I know you and I, um, have both both been guilty of, I guess, buying into the hype or, or thinking that the good times will never end. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, now that we've started to, you know, on a weekly basis, even just through doing our buy low and sell high is actually 
consciously making the effort to go out and buy people while they're cheap. And I know you got that uh, Son super rare, you know, he's still a really quality card, but he's not mm. necessarily the high flyer that he once was. And I feel like you got him at a pretty good price given, you know, if he goes back to what he, we know he can do, he's the captain mm. of Spurs for, you know, um, then there's heaps of value there to be had. Yeah, we'll, look, we were listening to the SoRed Data Strategy Show. They're talking about uh, efficient galleries and like you know what you should do if you can't just plug more money into the platform. Um, I thought I think we both thought that, that that show was quickly going off the rails as soon as uh, PSU fans. You know his his first advice out the gate was buy a Dusan Tadic, which doesn't quite fit with um, I think what they were trying to get at. But uh, eventually they started talking. They were talking about different players who were kind of buying, you know, selling multiple players to get one other player. I think Hugo Kuipers was the example. It's like, should I sell, you know, three, four players to get Hugo Kuipers because Hugo Kuipers is like smashing his face off at the moment? And that kind of got me thinking about we've both had quite a history of, you know, being guilty of holding players through kind of top form and not selling at the top. Um and also I've been I know I've been very guilty of buying into players when they're in form, when their prices are just super inflated. So I thought it would be good to kind of look back at a few examples of players that kind of fit that bill. Um obviously every week we go through our Justin Bilo sell Tom Hayes. Um, but you know, kind of looking at what goes into deciding whether it's, you know, is this just a form kind of bump or are they actually quality keepers, you know? So I guess the first thing to kind of consider is, you know, if, if a player's just been racking up, you know, 70-plus scores for five or six weeks in a row, their price is going through the roof, I think the first question I ask is, why is that? Like, what has caused this boom? Is it because they've had just a dream run of matchups? Is it because they take every single set piece and they do absolutely everything for the team? You know, or is it just luck? Like, have they just kind of been in the right place at the right time? You know, they've maybe they're on penalties and they've scored a penalty each game. You know, looking at why they uh, they're in such good form is always the first question. It's it's. I mean, I can't believe the words that were coming out of your mouth saying that you've been watching games and checking Twitter and you know looking up rules. <laughs> uh, I'm very proud of you, um, but you can attest to like watching a game just makes such a massive difference and i think it's just if you've got the time it just i think it helps people make these decisions so much better like you watched i think a mechelin game the other day is that right yeah yeah it was on a pretty dodgy stream i think i was seeing like i think a quarter of the screen was a pixel but <laughs> yeah. yes i was from what i could make out i was watching a mechelin game yeah so if you can see the players um it's very helpful to <laughs> kind of ascertain like, okay, is this player actually really good? Is he actually dominating and that's why his scores are so well? Or is it just kind of coming down to luck or he's just in the right place at the right time? So that's the first thing to look at. Uh, if you can watch the players, I think that makes a huge difference. If you're thinking of buying into a player because their scores on Soro Data are so good, maybe just watch a couple of games first and be like, and you'll quickly know, like, is this a player I really want to have in my gallery or am I just chasing scores? And that was something that PSU fans said I thought was really interesting and something we've definitely done in the past is rushing in. And he sort of talked about if you do have a lower budget, if you just rush in and blow 0.4 on a player, 
mm. which I've definitely done in the past, a.k.a. Nabil Bentaleb. We're prepared to offer you all the free coffee you want at any of our stores throughout North America and Europe. Plus, I'll take it. You're going to have less funds to play with, and that makes it 10 times harder. Like, I think we're, we're all guilty of going on about how we've got a strict budget to stick to, but then rushing in to buy a player without doing the due diligence that comes with that. Mm, mm. I mean, we'll be able to, uh, we're hopefully going to buy you a, a goalkeeper live on, on stream a bit later on. So it'll be a good opportunity to kind of, yeah, run through that process and look at, okay, what decisions do you make around when you, when you're bringing someone into the, into the gallery and yeah, form is hard to ignore, but as we know, like form slumps really do happen, uh, particularly with forwards. Like, I mean, I have one of the most hot and cold players of all time in Nicola Storm in my gallery. Uh, he's not just week to week. He can go months without getting a decisive. And then all of a sudden he'll go on a run of like two months of nonstop decisive. So it can, it can definitely happen. You just need someone in the locker room, like giving Nicholas nothing but compliments, just pumping his tires. Like you want him to be feeling like he's untouchable out there. Cause yeah. Mm. And he's the worst as well, I think, for a player that when they're out of form, they're not even going near the ball. Like they're not having any impact on the contest. So they've got like two points of AA for the game. Mm, mm. Yeah. I mean, it didn't fill me with great confidence that your report back from watching that Michelin game was that Nicholas Storm sucked. So uh, not great, but hopefully he can turn it around. Yeah. So I think going back to the topic, like... If you, I think there's two ways to look at it. Like, I think the best way to, to, to really, if you want to do well on Soraya, the best thing you can do is try and find those players who are just a little bit out of form, um, you know, because they can, if they turn it around, then all of a sudden you can be making, you know, 2x, 3x on your purchase price as opposed to the alternative, which is trying to buy into someone that's on a, on a flyer and then have them, you know, drop four or five stinkers in a row and then all of a sudden you've you've lost half your wallet so um when i'm looking for players you know when i'm searching for my buy lows of a week um typically i'll look at the actual like situation of the team situation of the kind of league that they're in um and try and make a call on you know their past performance you know if i look at like some good examples um Bakasetas at Trabzonspor, Carlo Hulse at uh, Rosenberg, um, Fernando Goriaran at um, Tigres, like Alexandru Maxim is another one, um, obviously a so rare favourite. These are players where they have been very consistent, high-level scorers in the past, and currently they're just you know kind of at all-time lows in terms of their price. So why is that? So if you look at each of them. Like Alexandru Maxim, obviously earthquake in Gaziantep, cut short his season for them. He went and played for Besiktas where he didn't get any minutes. And then he's come back, first game of the season, gets a red card. So he's currently like, his L15 is like 30. He's probably, I don't know what his price, but it's probably very low. That's someone where you know what they can do and you know the circumstances that have caused their poor form. Um, so that's someone that you could really, you know, I think you pretty confidently pick them up in anticipation for the, that next run of hot form. Uh, another good example, like Hyung Min Sun. I mean, it's yet to see whether I'll be kind of validated on this, but my thinking was he was one of the best players on the platform 
before he was on the platform. I remember when they first, you could first start looking up Premier League scores and, you know, he was up in the top, at least the top 10. He was banging out 80s, 90s, 100s all the time because him and Harry Kane obviously were bouncing off each other. And, you know, personally, I love Hyungmin Sun. I think he's amazing. So, and I know that last season he was injured pretty much the entire season. He played through like a groin injury the, pretty much the whole year, had surgery in the off season. He's back now. He's the captain. Harry Kane has left, so you'd hope to think, obviously, you've got James Madison there as well, but Hyung Min Sun hopefully will take on more of a role, you know, in the attacking front. Obviously, gave away a pen last week, which wasn't ideal, but those are kind of two examples of players where I'm like, logically, you can walk back to a point where they become in form again. And I think you look at the upside as well. I do believe that... Obviously, there is the quality. Like, there's that that top tier. You know, your Trent Alexander Arnold's, your Enzo Fernandez. I mean, these are the best, some of the best players in the world. Those guys are always going to be premium. There's really, they don't really have a bad move in them. Um, you know, they're they're top players. But I think, yeah, I think the the Kuipers example is a really good one because I feel like that's a player where he's probably not a world beater. He's not going to go to Manchester United and start absolutely dominating. But he's scoring really well at the moment for Ghent. And he's in this hot run of form. But at the end of the day, and, and we've touched on it in the past as well, is if those scores dry up, the name Hugo Kuipers doesn't carry any weight. Mm. Yeah. Hyun Min Son, you go, it's Son. You know, even if he's scoring on Surrey, it hasn't been that great. He's got a name and that holds some weight. And so when, that, when he does bounce back into form, that's when you'll see the price rise like quickly go up. Whereas I just don't think someone like Kuipers, you're, you're saying it weird. Saying what weird? All of it. Or hoping that he maintains something that not many Fords are able to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is definitely something to take into account. And I think opportunity-wise, picking up just, you know, really well-renowned players who are just having a dud run. Trent Trent Alexander-Arnold is a perfect example. Like I remember he got down to like 0.3, 0.4 at some point last season because he was just having a shocking run. But it's... Trent Alexander-Arnold, like, you know he will come back into form at some point. So, yeah, I think it ties into what I was saying about the eye test. You know, if you know a player is quality and you know what they can do, those are the players you really want to watch closely, especially when they start to have a bit of a lean run and you start to notice their price going down. Mm. I think for me, watching the Minnesota games, I think in one of the YouTube comments, someone was saying, well, isn't Emmanuel Reynoso a sell hay? because of his, his, I think he banged out like 300s or something like that. But I kind of look at it personally. I'm watching the games and he is everything of the Minnesota attack. Like there was a game where I think he got 70 points just from AA, but he like dribbled through two defenders, put the ball on a dime for Pookie, but then Pookie passed it off um, for the goal. So he doesn't get any decisive action, but that's something where I'm looking at that. And whereas if I'm just looking at the Sarare scores, I'm like, oh, there's no decisive. I'm not thinking anything of it. But that's a situation where you can see the quality. He is. That's just the only difference there is if Puki decides to chip the keeper himself. All of a sudden, Reynoso's got another hundred. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I think Reynoso is an interesting one because, yeah, I agree that typically he would fit the bill for a sell hay, like banging out hundreds, you know. But like you said, he is the main man for that team. I guess you could look into the kind of context of is Minnesota going to keep up the form around him? You know, it doesn't really matter how 
how much you're involved. If your team is terrible, you're not going to get those decisives. I think we a great example is Carlos Heel, one of the goats, obviously. He's kind of come back into form this year because the pieces around him have started to actually finish. When he was the best player on the platform, it was because he had Adam Buxer, Tejon Buchanan, like they were just he would just whip it in and they would score goals. He would give it to them, they would do the rest. Like he was creating the opportunities and these good players were, were finishing it off. Um, whereas with Reynoso, I guess you do run that risk of like some players around him have been informed, but if Minnesota drop back and they kind of fall off, you know, maybe he, he could run out of steam. But I think where Reynoso is still a buy low for me <laughs> is his AA is just ridiculous. Like even when they're not scoring goals, he's getting 70 to 80 because he's creating so many big chances. So that is a plus. Also, people seem to... I mean, I think you mentioned to me the other day, like Jamiro Montero is going for like a dollar or something. He's rare. Point zero two, yeah. (laughs) Which is, oh, point zero two. Okay, still. People have, people seem to, because Europe has started, they seem to think that MLS is over, but MLS is still going until like November. So there's still plenty of utility there. So I think people are underpricing Reynoso just based on what he can do for the next two or three months. The pistol whipping might also have something to do with it, but cool, you want some? Huh? Oh, hey. you know. True, true. And there is also you think, you know, as soon as someone starts to starts to bang like that and you start going, Okay, are we worried about transfers? You know, are they gonna try and make their move overseas? Carlos Hill is good for that because you know he's already been there and failed at that. So he's probably just gonna be happy to stay in the MLS and smash, whereas Reynoso might be like if he can leave the country, he might he might be looking for that transfer. Go to Russia, join uh, join his pal Quincy Promes. Oh, mate, <laughs> place Prison to be. Prison RFC. Um, yeah, and I think that's interesting because, like, I, well, to be honest, I think now that Pookie's there, I think that makes a big difference. I think he's got like a quality striker up front, mm-hmm. but I think that is something I've probably probably undervalued having a guy that's on a dominant team. I just mm. think it makes such a difference, like. Because I think even if they're having an off day, if they're in a team that crushes and they've got a really good matchup, not only can you play the matchup, but they're just going to be in and around. And it's the days where the ball just ricochets off the crossbar into their face and into the back of the net. You know, there's no skill involved, but they're just in the situation. <laughs> the Lukaku rule. The, Luka- the Lukaku rule. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Now, I guess the flip side of all this is if you've got a player who is in form, you know, should you sell? Well, it's easier to buy at the bottom because you've seen the highs. You've seen the highs, you know, and you can be like, look, I'm getting this guy for 20% of what he was going for six months ago. I think the reason why it's harder to sell at the top is because, you know, I think the optimist in us goes, oh, it'll never stop. It'll just keep climbing. This will never end. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if, you, if you're holding onto a player that's on a hot run, I think the there is some situations where it just continues and all of a sudden you've sold a player at 0.4 and next thing you know, he's an ETH like that, that happens. Um, but I think if you can take profit on a player that is just in a ridiculous run of form, I think it very rarely backfires on you. I think we've, I mean, we've experienced it many times over with Lucas Zellerayan, both positive and negatively where we're like, right, he's in a hot run of form. We know that that can change. 
let's sell. And then, you know, the opportunity may present itself. They have a couple of bad games and all of a sudden their price goes back down quite significantly and you can buy back in if you want to. Um, or otherwise you can take that profit that you've made on that informed player and try and bring in some more, you know, what we refer to as keepers, like not goalkeepers, obviously. <laughs> stay away from but, them. Yeah, stay away from goalkeepers at all costs. Um, those, especially like those players that are where they're not necessarily the go-to guy. Like a good example of someone who you could try and sell high on is Dennis Boanga. Like his price has fluctuated so much over the last couple of months because he goes on these crazy runs. Like his last three scores, let me get his scores up here. Mm -hmm. There we go. So he's on a crazy hot streak at the moment. He's scored six goals in the last three games, plus some assists. Like he's just absolutely smashing it. Um, I'm sure his price will start to rise. When he was in this little streak of form here at the start of the season, I remember, I can't remember what his price got to. Let's have a look. Yeah, so he peaked peaked at 0.45 um, at, a, at a point there for his rare. So, uh, And then it dropped right off as his form kind of dropped away. And now it's starting to come back up again because he's banging in goals for fun. But going back to what I said earlier about kind of making a decision on why is this player in such a hot streak, Dennis Boanga's not, I think he's on pens, is he? Or is Vela still on pens? Well, Vela's sort of in and out. He's heavily rotated, especially during the League's Cup. So it's kind of hard to get a gauge on that, to be honest. Yeah, okay. So Boanga's on might be on pens, but I, he's not on set pieces, as far as I'm aware. And he's not like the main playmaker of the team. So he could very easily go on a dry run of three or four games, you know? So this is someone where now might be a good time to to cash in on if you've bought him down here when he was out of form cashing in on on that profit you can make uh and potentially pick him up once he has you know two or three dud games in a while from now so Dennis Bowanger is someone where purple patch is typically down to just like a good run of fixtures a hot run of form and that could very quickly change um whereas like flip side of that is a player that I've been keeping my eye on in the German second division. That's a whole nother topic about German second division success <laughs> and whether that's, you know, should be judged as equally as success, you know, in better leagues. But this guy, Baris Attic, um, has been on a crazy run of form, um, plays, plays up front for Magdeburg. Now, if you look at Magdeburg's team setup, this is one of my favorite things to do is to have a look at their kind of who takes their corners and who does all their set pieces. So you'll notice that he takes all their free kicks, all their corners, all their penalties, and he's in a pretty strong team in Bundesliga too. So that's someone where it's like, you probably don't want to buy in at the top. You want to kind of wait till he has a, the odd game here or there, but this is a player where you could kind of classify him as a keeper because there's, every reason that he can maintain this form, you know, because he is just so heavily involved like a Renoso or a Carlos Hill. Yeah, I guess maybe we're all guilty of worrying that we're going to miss the boat. Like we don't, we, we say that we don't want to buy a guy that's on a heater, but then we're so worried of like, Oh, you know, but he, we don't want to miss out if he's the next star. I don't know. I feel like I'm probably guilty of that at times. Like thinking that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, another 
strategy to get around this is rather than trying to buy in and out of, you know, form and dips and everything is just to hold these players. <laughs> you know, I've held on to my Nicola Storm through good times and bad. Um, and if you've got the depth to just keep them in the gallery, you know, just kind of be okay with the fact that they're going to go through periods of, of rough form, whether it be because of fixtures or just, you know, not feeling well or an injury or whatever it might be. So the best way to kind of get around it is, you know, when you've got some ETH up your sleeve, try and find those players who are out of form but have a strong history of, of you know, performing well. Uh, and then your players that are on hot streaks, rather than selling and then potentially running the risk of regretting that, just hold on to them. And if they go through rough patches, just stick with them. I think form not only applies for the players, but I think for Sarah managers as well. I think how often do we see where you go on like a month and a half where everything goes well, you win in like consecutive weeks and things like that. And then you go on a two month, well, maybe not for everyone, but a two month period of winning nothing, not even getting close because I find, yeah, I've definitely found that where there's been probably a three week period where I'm like, this player's in like, they just, they can't do anything wrong, but then a month later you have no faith in them whatsoever. Yeah, and that's where depth is so important. Um, I think that's going full circle back to what we started with. I'm in trouble at the moment because my gallery is way smaller than it used to be. Um, you know, by design, I've just I've made the decision to go into super rares. The massive downside of that is if all my players are out of form at the same time. It doesn't even have to be all my players. If enough of my squad is out of form at the same time, it's impossible impossible for me to put five players in a lineup like well it's impossible like what you know I'm, I'm just hoping that i have enough players in form at the same time whereas if you've got a, a larger gallery and you just kind of slowly accumulate you know try and win some rewards you know invest if you can picking up those players who are out of form at a bit of a bargain rate then you just it's just a matter of looking at your gallery each week and going right who are my matchups who's in form who's out of form and you know prioritizing those few lineups with those players that are in hot form. Um, I think that's super important. So because there's nothing more... players and not trying to be too efficient or not, not like as, as PSU fans were saying, like don't trade in five depth pieces to get one player who's just on an absolute heater because as soon as they're not on a heater, then you're in trouble. And I also think there's nothing more frustrating than when one guy's just in a purple patch of form, but you've got no one to go with him or everyone else is out of form and he might be mm. getting 85 and you're captain him and you're going, how good's this? But then everyone else is, you know, getting 40 to 50 and you're not getting a, it's like, there's, I think that feeling of wasting a player when they're in that runs really frustrating. And that's another good point of like knowing, I guess, knowing your gallery, like there's no point going out and buying an absolute weapon if you're going to mm. pair him with a bunch of guys who are pretty ordinary and he's just going to go to waste in that lineup. Like, I think it's better to try and have a more balanced gallery. I think I've probably been guilty of that where I get drawn into all these exciting and dangerous midfielders because they're the best cards to have. You know, it's like, I've got the main man, he's crushing it, but I'm like, Oh, I'll just, I'll buy a 37 year old goalkeeper just to fill in the like, but then that, I think I don't, take into consideration how much of an impact that has. You need all five players to smash, and I think it's better to have a more even-out gallery, and which is what I'm trying to do now. Mm. I think you're at a good point. I think 
you know. I also have zero goalkeepers. I'm not in a good point. Okay, apart, yeah. <laughs> apart from the goalkeeper situation, like you have now got some good depth across pretty much every position. Like, you know, you've got a couple of forwards up your sleeve. Obviously, Bongonda's in great form at the moment. Um, and sell? Then you, yeah, could, could be a sell. Um, then you've got quite a decent midfield set up with Tom Hay, um, Ramiz Zaruki. Who else have you got in there? Reynoso, obviously. And I think you've made those decisions on bringing those players into your gallery based on everything we've just talked about. Like Tom Hay is a good example of, you know, he can go, when he goes out of form, he's banging out 55, 60. You know, when he's in form, he's banging out 90s. So you can't really lose with someone like that. Obviously, if he transfers, that could that could affect things. Um, but we brought him into a gallery for a very specific reason in that he's kind of form-proof, you know. Um, whereas someone like a Bongonda, we'll have to keep an eye on that and maybe try and watch some of his games and figure out, like, okay, is he just kind of on a bit of a, a run at the moment? Like, is it just a new team bump? Or do we think he can actually maintain this over the course of the season? So that that will be a very interesting one to maybe put under the microscope over the next couple of weeks and kind of see what his price does if he keeps this whole form up. Hold the phone, Alistair. You might need to sit down for this, but I actually watched the extended highlights of the Moscow game. Um, I, I, I don't want to say I'm a changed man, but... Who are you? What have you done with Simon? Yeah, um, so a few information, mate. Um, yeah, no, look, a lot of his goals were just like a couple of headers, a couple of tap-ins, nothing too crazy. I think that sort of reflects in his AA, very much a sort of in-around-the-box striker. He's not going to be dribbling past 20 players. But the thing is, and this is what it comes down to as well, he's in a really good team. So if mm. he's a good finisher, then I think he'll do really well. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I think we that probably wraps up what we've talked about. I think discussed what there is to talk about. I think, yeah, it's such an important thing. It's a hard hard balancing act, I think, trying to depth and then also trying to bring in premier pieces. Mm. But definitely the takeaway that I got is not rushing in and when you are going to buy a premier piece, you bloody want to hope that it's quality. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Have a, have a think about why you're buying that player and if you're, I think, if you're trying to buy a player and they're on like a hot streak and their price is just going through the roof and you've got that feeling of, and I think this applies to all manner of decisions, whether it's investing, business, whatever. If you get that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm going to miss out. Like you get that adrenaline rush of whole oh shit. Like, you know, if I don't buy this now that I'm, I'm missing the boat, that's probably when you need to just stop take a second, you know, count to 10, give them another couple of games, you know, it's very unlikely that, you know, the price is going to get so far away from you that you just, you never get an opportunity to buy in again. Um, likes of a Kuipers, you know, wait till he has maybe a couple of dud games and then you can buy in from there if you still really think that he's the player for you. Um, yeah, if you feel that adrenaline rush, you feel like you're going to miss out, that's when you make bad decisions. That's when you panic and buy someone at the absolute peak, like a Lucas Delarayam for one ETH. <laughs> I remember a year ago when I almost pulled the trigger on buying a bundle of Hulk and Ignacio Fernandez, mm. and you could have thought that I was about to—I was in a, a trivia show to win a million dollars. The heart rate—I had sweaty palms. Do you feel stressed, Jen? 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 Look at that! 
and guess what else did the guy he wouldn't budge like i think i was like it was 0.01 eth or something i literally didn't have the eth and he wouldn't budge on it and you know everything happens for a reason it all worked out i ended up getting savage ruisi um who i didn't miss a he didn't he scored a goal in every game for the remainder of the season and hulk has done nothing since mm. uh, so yeah no i definitely agree with that i think taking your time just taking a chill pill stepping back definitely the way to go yeah, it's been great having the Premier League back just to change topics now. Obviously, each year comes with new jerseys, some better than others. Yeah, there's definitely some pretty interesting uh, interesting ones in there. Um, by the way, quick segue, uh, I'm currently rocking the Johannesburg Kaiser Chiefs jersey, which I think is very slick. Um, it's getting dark here where I am, so I'm slowly getting darker and darker, but yeah, big fan of this jersey. Um, they love love their soccer over in Johannesburg. Is uh, the Kaiser Chiefs getting on board at any time soon? Or uh, I mean, look, I was handing out my referral code to anyone and everyone that I met in Africa, uh, and there's a lot of people in Africa, so you know, should be should be a, a you know John Nellis level millionaire pretty shortly. Yeah, rack up those tier two limited referral rewards. You'll be rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so look, I, I think one of our favorite episodes in a previous life when we were the uh, Champ America podcast was reviewing our favorite MLS jerseys when they were released. Um, had a lot of fun with that one. So I think what we've done, what, what have we done? We've picked three, our three favorites and our three worst Premier League jerseys. So you've heard it here first. Do you want to take it? Do you want to kick us off? You kick it off, mate. I'll, I'll handball them to you. Okay, okay. It'll be interesting to see if we overlap here. Okay, I'll start with my, I'll start with my worst. Okay, first one: Liverpool away. I hate this jersey. With this is probably my least favorite jersey. It's, um, it. What it reminds me of is like 1998 Microsoft clip art. It looks so bad. I the. The green, white, and black kind of color scheme. I know they're going for like a retro theme, but it just makes me want to be sick. Mate, it looks like a creeper off Minecraft. It does. That is a very good, very good analogy. Okay, next one. Manchester United. Manchester. Thick and buttery, crispy crust. Try that again. Manchester United away. Uh, I think a lot of the. I think a lot of clubs like with their away jersey, like, hey, we're gonna have a bit of fun with it. Uh, this one sucks. It just, I just feel like I'm at a shitty music festival and there's just a crowd of lads around me. They're wearing their, you know, going out to get pussy stripy shirts on. Uh, and it's basically this. So yeah, I'm getting real toxic masculinity vibes from this one. Yep. So, so far we're two from two, um, both of my two worst as well. So let's see if we can be on the same page for the third. Go on, um, go ahead. So the, there was a couple that kind of were on my shit list. Um, I was pretty close to nominating the Fulham away jersey. The I'm all for a pink jersey. Like that's I, I like that. That's a bit of a statement, you know, bright pink. But that shade of pink is has gives me a migraine immediately. Um, but no, my third least favorite is the Chelsea home jersey. I, I mean, I'm sure they'll add a sponsor and that might make it look better, but it just looks really boring. It just looks like a jersey you get at, like, best and less. <laughs> you know? I think with that one, it's an interesting one because, yeah, it does look weird without a, sp a sponsor. I will agree. What are your thoughts on the logo? Because the logo is kind of like this metallic. 
I've noticed a few teams have done that, and I really do dig the metallic logo. Um, I'll talk about that in my favorites, actually. But I do like the metallic logo, but I just think the jersey, the shade of blue is a bit kind of weird too. It's kind of like a more muted blue. I just, I don't know. It just, um, I just feel like, I mean, Chelsea jerseys are always pretty boring, but I just feel like this one is pretty underwhelming for me. Fair enough. I think for me, the emblem brings it back to life, but agree or disagree. Uh, Like I said, you had my two worst as well. Um, So I guess I've got to throw in, uh, not a big fan of the Nottingham Forest away. Similar to the Manchester United vibe, too much going on, patterns overlapping. Mm. Um, It's like a bright orange. Yeah, can't say I'm a fan. It very much feels like with the away jerseys, they just get like the intern uh, to come in and have a crack, you know, like the art student who's you know, just moved from away from home for the first time and they're just... Well, they're, they're compensating because they're, they're, the home jersey, they don't want to change because that's the heritage. So then they're like, how can we just go crazy with an away kit? And as a result, it's rubbish. Times like this when I just want to throw my hands up and say, let's take drugs and go crazy. <laughs> mm. A lot of like heritage kind of kits this year, which I, I must say I do like. It's, they're, you know, pretty nice. Every jersey should have a collar, in my opinion. I agree, 100%. It could be the worst jersey in the world, but if you put a collar on it, I'm like, yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> I'm down for it. So this one looks like it's got a collar, but it's actually just the appearance of a collar. Um, but brilliant. Yeah. It, it makes me warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> Amen. Okay, uh, well, you want to give us your favourites then? Okay, I've got Aston Villa away. Now, it's kind of pretty straight down the middle of the road, but I think it works really well with the pants and the socks and the... Mm-hmm. Kind of like a creamy white. Yep. Big fan. Now, this one is an interesting one. I've gone Liverpool home. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing special about this jersey, but they've gone back to what works. Where the Reds. Mm-hmm. I hate the fact that in previous seasons, they've tried to fuck around with it, and there's orange, and there's all these mm-hmm. other weird colors. I like. It's like a nice, simple collar with the white. It just looks nice. It's simple. Um, big fan. And then I was a fan of... The city away, to be honest. Again, mm-hmm. look, a collar. I saw a collar and I just was immediately swept off my feet. But I reckon compared to last year's, it's slick. It's got a winner's vibe. Like these are champions. I think they've they've nailed it. Yeah, I also had Man City away. I love their kind of the metallic logo they've gone for. Um, and yeah, the collar is just a very pleasing shade of kind of, what is that, maroon? Um, I mean... Their jersey last year that they won the the prem in is one of the worst. Jer- I I don't know who was was it Puma that did that kind of run of jerseys with the round collar kind of accentuation. Awful, awful jerseys. So I'm so glad they've moved away from that. They've kind of gone back into a more traditional kind of look. So yeah, big fan of Man City away. Um, my other two favorites, Newcastle home. Um, obviously they're not like doing anything groundbreaking with the black and white, but I just feel like it just looks punchy, like super slick. I like the fact that the, the sponsor kind of ties into it as well. Um, really big fan of that one. And the Fulham home jersey I actually really like. Um, I like that they've kind of got the alternating colors on either shoulder. Um, yeah, I think the those kind of like black and white theme jerseys I really kind of speak to me. I like them, so... But overall, I think there probably wasn't too many where I was like, oh, that is a really nice jersey. There was probably more across the teams that kind of made me go, meh. 
uh, than maybe yep. in previous years. Yeah, there was a lot more uh, in a trim off the ones that I hated than there was of me of the ones that I like. So I think that speaks wonders. Um, now, Alistair, of course, as well, Premier League's back, but who cares? I mean, that is just old news because the underdog boys make their return. I'm here for underdog. 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 Uh, two weeks up against Heidenheim. And Alster, no, this more weekend. importantly, what's that? This weekend. Uh, what do I mean? Two days' time, not two weeks' time. <laughs> but in more just imp- two months' time, we're off. <laughs> Can't wait. More importantly, Alster, let's not get sidetracked. Is it's an eleven thirty p.m. kickoff for us in Australia? Now that doesn't sound great, but that's about as good as it will get for a Bundesliga game. So pop the champagne. I am in. I am in. Are you- I, Are we thinking viewing party? We're thinking viewing party for sure. Um, we'll, I, we'll probably try and live stream it because I guess people in Europe will be awake if anyone wants to watch along. Uh, we'll be giving some colourful commentary, I'm sure. Um, well, I'm also, very... just sorry, just quickly, I, I had an idea. Mm-hmm. Hear me out. Amy Park, watching party, 15,000 Melbournians coming in to watch the, the Wolfsburg boys. Look, it might be a hard sell, but I think we can get there. Yeah, look, let's take advantage of the soccer fever that's sweeping the nation. Tickets are in our bio. I think we can't lose. Um, yeah, look, Wolfsburg, I'm very excited about them this year. Um, I'm in a bit of a tricky situation with my uh, limited collections. Obviously, you know, I'm, in the, I'm one of the top Wolfsburg collectors on the platform. Um, a lot of movement in and out, a lot of players coming in that I would really like to own. You know, Cherney uh, has come in. I think they've just signed Lovro Mayer from Wren as well. Um, but my issue is that I don't want to buy them in their old team's jerseys. I really like the fact that all my boys look the same. Um, then obviously not going to help for my collection either, but then if I wait for new season cards, then that doesn't help me either. So I'm in a bit of a sticky situation. Um, I'm not quite sure what to do there. I'm in a similar spot with my Spurs lineup as well. So I like the fact that they're all nice and uniform, but now, I mean, feel free to disagree. Renato Stefan, he's wearing the green jersey in your collection, mm. uh, crushing it in the Swiss League. Now, is it kind of cheating to put in boys that they're wearing their Wolfsburg jerseys? Mm. They're the original, the OG underdogs. They're just playing for different teams. Does that count as running out a Wolfsburg stack? I like to think that Renato, you know, when he runs out for Lugano every week, Deep inside, he's really thinking, this is for Wolfsburg. I'm doing this for Wolfsburg. Um, you know, he's a green boy through and through. You cut him, he bleeds green. Um, so, yeah, I think I think just for aesthetic's sake, I do want to try and set up a, you know, a Cap 240, Cap 270 team every week that is just purely people in Wolfsburg shirts. Um, that might have to be my, my kind of uh, strategy this year. It's probably not the best strategy to just put players in who – are different in the same shirt, but that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm looking forward to the next Sarah Data strategy show of targeting, putting in guys with the same shirt color, and that's the strategy that people follow. It's a risky one, but you never know. It could be the next big thing. Could be the next. Obviously, bonus. some some green shirts, you know, more green than others. Let's we don't need to go back into that, but it is what it is. Oh, Paul Lowe. He's a special boy. Uh, yeah, very excited for Wolfsburg. Totally down for a watch-along. Let's, let's do it. 
Yeah. Now, last time we said we were going to do a watch along, I think they got beaten 5 0 or 5 1 or something. Mm. Um, but this time we're actually going to stick to our word. Let's make it happen. Set the alarms. No sleeping in this time. Um, but yeah, look, very, very excited. Uh, apart from that, mate, I guess all that's left is, I think, the weekend ahead. Just buy really. a goalkeeper. Yeah. Could run with four players. My <laughs> goalkeepers like to concede five anyway, so. So, okay, so your situation currently is that Kojikaru has been displaced. Now, my thinking is that they've bought two goalkeepers in the space of two weeks. They've bought Toby Layson from Genk, who, you know, everyone has touted him for a starting move at some point. They've also bought a starting goalkeeper from France who doesn't seem to have any logic that he would be bought to be on the bench. I don't know what OH Leuven's financial situation is, but I can't imagine they can afford to have three starting goalkeepers on their books. Not the Toby Lawson's starting goal, two and a half starting goalkeepers on their books. So my thinking is that Kojikaru might be out the door, and that may be why they've gone out and done such a kind of rapid goalkeeper overhaul. So do you take the risk of uh, of waiting and seeing where he goes, or are you thinking you might just? send him to a bot, get a bit of cash, and just move on with your life. Go fuck. I don't know, man. He's the best reward I've ever won. A week ago, he was 0.25. I can get 0.09 for him from a bot. I mean, look, Mm. it'll help. An extra 0.1 goes a long way to getting my next goalkeeper, but it's just hard because I just worry that he goes back to, like, Romania or something. I don't know what his actual quality is like like is he is he a really good goalkeeper I'm, i probably don't know i thought he was always pretty good um i was a bit shocked to be honest i mean obviously he had a bit of a thrashing last week but i thought he'd always perform pretty well for them but i mean who knows i mean he missed preseason because he was finishing his engineering degree so maybe he's just going to go build some bridges somewhere does that count on Sorare? the amount of bridges they build i mean one decisive look, per so bridge. Rare engineering bring it in i mean <laughs> maybe uh maybe he needs to build a bridge for you so he can get over it. Oh my god, you oh, suck. Come on, man. Too All soon. Right. On Too that soon note, for I think we should um end the podcast forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, I mean we'll uh we'll I think we'll probably we'll need to do some serious scouting for you over the next day or so to pick yourself up a goalkeeper. You have mentioned that you want to go all challenger, so um that makes things a little bit tricky, but maybe we can uh Next week, we can share with everyone kind of your thought process as to how you came to your decision. And if anyone has some insight on what I should do, please let us know. Drop a comment. Somebody please Reach help out. Simon. He's he's very sad. I can watch all the football I want, but today has just been head noise, you know. Like, oh, I'm just so sick of goalkeepers. Far out. I think that you need to change your solo name to head noise. I think it, it's perfect for you. on that note let's end it laters mates catch you next week (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh.